When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. What up, everybody? This is Rob Brandt. And this is Rick Brandt, and we are the Brothers Brandt. Welcome back to episode 38 of the Brothers Brandt podcast. And this is a, uh, a very cool episode because, uh, you know, it's part two of the U.S. Open Ball Boy Experience and our very own one half of the Brothers Brandt podcast is the ball person, is a ball person at the U.S. Open sharing the court with Serena Williams, uh, short-time Novak Djokovic, and uh, all these other tennis elite uh, athletes. Uh, pretty unbelievable. Episode 37, we explain what a ball person is. We explain the history of the U.S. Open and the Cincinnati Open that was going on at, in Queens. So, just to catch you guys up to speed, if you haven't listened to those, listen to part one, episode 37. We're on episode 38, part two. And, you know, I'm going to turn the mic over to Rick. I'm just going to be interviewing you for this, brother. Um, so walk us through, uh, how did the Cincinnati Open close out? Sure. So the Cincinnati Open, just as everybody heard in episode 37, took place in a rare time here in New York, normally in Cincinnati. But it took place before the U.S. Open. And as we mentioned in episode 37, a lot of the star athletes and tennis players that were going to be playing in the U.S. Open, which is going on right now, they took advantage of the Cincinnati Open being right before it, almost as like a tune-up, if you will. And they were competing. Listen, there was a lot of uh, prize money. There were points on the line. So don't get me wrong, it was a, a big-time, phenomenal tournament. Uh, a lot of people here, though, in New York, especially the behind-the-scenes staff and workers, employees, kind of were utilizing it as a tune-up and a way to learn the safety protocols here in the COVID-19 bubble, if you will. So anyway, uh, Cincinnati Open was fantastic. It was my first tournament ever working as a ball person. I had so much fun. I definitely was a little green, but 
by the first couple of days, I, I basically learned what I needed to know. And I went out there with a ton of energy, a lot of fun, and had a great time. Worked some really cool matches. We touched on them a little bit. I recall in episode 37, Serena Williams, Novak Djokovic, Andy Murray, just to name a few. But uh, it's been so cool, the access that we've had here behind the scenes, in this bubble, just basically being able to go anywhere and everywhere you want to go. Today, Rob, uh, not to get too far ahead of it, but I was working. I was on the courts all day. And it was basically what I've been doing every day of the tournament is working matches. And as soon as they get done, grab a quick bite to go. And I grab an empty seat in the Arthur Ashe Stadium and watch some premier tennis. You, you know, Rick, in a world 2020 where nobody can go to sporting events, you somehow find a way to get it done to, to sit front row at, <laughs> you know, all of these amazing matches that nobody can even buy tickets to. So uh, kudos to you on all that VIP experience. Once again, the Brothers Brandt coming through on this one. And, uh, you know, Cincinnati Open closes out. Uh, who won the Cincinnati Open, by the way? Yeah, so let's talk about that because I don't want to just move right past it because the Cincinnati Open was pretty cool. It was my first ever ball personing for a tournament, which I mentioned. But uh, on the ladies' side of it, I've become enamored by this one player, Victoria Azarenka, who for most tennis players out there, you, you, know, you, know, you know who Azarenka is. She was ranked world number one for many years. Uh, she won the uh, 2012, 2013 back-to-back Australian Open. So she's had some great success in her career, but I've worked a ton of her matches. She was super nice, a lot of fun, and a great tennis player. And she ended up uh, basically on this kind of like a resurrection of her career uh, at the age of 31, not old by any means, but, uh, you know, she's had a child, she's gone through some injuries. Uh, it was cool to see her battle through, make it to the championship match to take on none other than a personal favorite of mine as well, fan favorite out there, and the highest earning female tennis player in the world, Naomi Osaka. So uh, Naomi had a great tournament. In fact, she prompted, Rob, what a lot of people remember as a uh, day off of protest. The tournament was cruising along. I think we all saw at the NBA level, some other sports take a few days off in, in protest for um, just the injustice that's happening in society. And Naomi Osaka, one of the biggest names in sports, and certainly here during the Cincinnati Open, she said, hey, I'm going to withdraw from my semifinals match. And the organizers for the tournament said, all right, you know what we're going to do? We're going to respect. We're going to understand what's going on. We're going to take a day off. We're going to pause. Therefore, she didn't withdraw. She ended up competing in the semifinals match the following day, winning, advancing to the championship to take on Victoria Azarenka, only to wake up championship morning, Saturday it was, to have a, a hamstring really bothering her from a previous match in the semifinals. 
she withdrew. I myself, you know, was over there ready to watch this going to be exciting matchup, some world number ones, uh, some good, good tennis. And unfortunately, uh, it just didn't happen. She withdrew. So Azarenka was credited with the victory, uh, which was big for her. And then on the men's side of it, Novak Djokovic one-handedly. So those were your two victors in the Cincinnati Open. It was a cool experience, but we were ready to rock and roll now into the U.S. Open. Yeah, such a great way uh, to move on to the U.S. Open, having the Cincinnati Open in Queens. So, you know, just change the banners, change the signage, and we're ready to rock and roll. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. That is exactly <laughs> what happened. The uh, vendors for this event, whoever was providing the signage, definitely made a killing because of all the empty seats and the multiple tournaments. So uh, a lot of signage throughout this complex. And Rick, you know, back to Azarenka with you, I have to ask, it sounds like you were getting a little friendly with her. Uh, you, you happen to get a uh, second date or like, you know, you guys making out underneath the bleachers or something? Hey, 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 Rob, Azarenka, you know, she's interested, I'll say. She's interested. She's in? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see how things progress. A lot of interest out there. A lot of interest. Lack of closing going on. Yep, yep, yep. Well, anyway, <laughs> I digress. Uh, the tennis has been fantastic, Rob. The access, as you mentioned, has been just first class. In fact, I would go out and say, Rob, that this access is even better than when we you know, pull our shenanigans and enjoy roamings of the stadiums and the complexes. And I say that because there's always fans at events when we go to them. There's packed stadiums and we're navigating the stadiums. We're not always able to do exactly what we want to do because there are fans, there are security, there is all that in place. But here, there are no fans. You can go anywhere you want to go. I have credentials that allow me to go anywhere I want to go. And it's just really cool to meet all of these players up close and personal. Yesterday, I had a fantastic encounter with an American lady from Charleston. Her name is Shelby Rogers. No relation to Shelby Brandt. AKA well, obviously, it's their first names. <laughs> I know, I know. But listen, I'm a big fan of the anybody named Shelby. And this girl, she uh, has been battling uh, just throughout her career. She's still young, 26. And uh, as an American, she pulled off the biggest win of her career yesterday, advancing into the quarterfinals. She will face Serena Williams in a, two days. So best of luck to her, RIP. Great run. But I think Serena will probably get it done. Nonetheless, interacting with these players, cheering for them, uh, getting to talk with them before or after their matches has been really a treat, Rob. Awesome. Yeah, love it. VIP experience. Uh, now, we talked a little bit about it, uh, you know, moving into the U.S. Open. Uh, you, you got some shout outs, you know, from the New York Post. Uh, they did that nice article on uh, the swag that you're rocking. I believe in the last episode we mentioned the swag, how it has uh, Mount Sinai uh, frontline workers as the names on the back of your uh, your uh, Ralph Lauren uh, jerseys. And, uh, you know, the New York Post article was great. 
Uh, any other uh, media coverage featuring Rick Brandt? Well, you know what? Let's piggyback on that because you're right. Uh, the Mount Sinai healthcare workers have been all represented here at the U.S. Open with their last names on the backs of our jerseys. I took it a step further, Rob, and thanks to the folks there at the New York Post, they were able to connect me with the Human Resources Department at Mount Sinai Healthcare System, and then eventually linking me up with the two doctors whose names I have on the backs of my uniforms. Because we get two uniforms and you know, one day I'll wear one, the next day I'll wear the other while one's being washed. So um, each morning what I've been doing is I'm on a group email with them and I give them a little update what court I'm on, what times I'm gonna be on, what are the matches? And uh, for them, it's pretty neat because they're able to go online. They're able to stream a lot of these matches. They're able to watch some of them on ESPN or ESPN2. And some of the photographers actually on site have captured some really great pictures of my last or their last name on the backs of my jersey. And uh, I've been able to forward those along. And I think it's just a uh, been a heartwarming uh, storyline and feature that a lot of folks came together to make happen. Pretty cool. Pretty epic. That is really cool. Uh, now, you know, we're going to jump into snags. I want to hear some web gems from you in a minute. We're going to talk about, we're going to end it uh, with your interaction with Serena Williams, because that's hilarious. And I want to hear what that firsthand was like. We're going to talk about that. And then uh, bold predictions for the rest of the tournament. But I'd be remiss Rick, if I did not ask about your opinion on Novak Djokovic's default and getting kicked out of the tournament as the number one uh, overall tennis player in the world. All right. So you ready for this, Rob? Are you really ready for my opinion? Let's dig in. What up, everybody? Sorry to interrupt the regular programming right here, but Rick and I have to pay the bills, so we're going to run an ad. This ad is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the show, guys. All right. So here's the scenario, ladies and gentlemen. You've got the world number one tennis player. A guy who has made more money and won more championships than virtually anybody ever in the history of tennis. He has no need to fly halfway across the world to New York, put himself into a quarantine bubble in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. This man is a, I'm a huge fan of Novak Djokovic. And I say that because I wasn't a huge fan of him before the tournament. I didn't really know too much about him. I don't like to judge somebody until I meet them, until I interact with them. So I really didn't have an opinion on him. Um, and so he earned a lot of points in my book by, by committing to this. 
some of the other top names did not. And so for him to just do that, show his commitment to the sport of tennis, that was huge. And that was huge for the USTA, the US Open. It brought a lot of credibility to the event. And I'd be willing to bet it also inspired other tennis players from around the world to say, you know what? If the number one player in the world's going to do it, I'm going to do it. And he didn't have to, but he did. So anyway, here he comes into the bubble. He's cruising along. He dominated the Cincinnati Open. And he was, by all means, the number one favorite to cruise to another U.S. Open title and start getting closer to Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer for the all-time Grand Slams victory list in their careers. So that was definitely a goal of his to add another notch to the belt. But as we all saw, this thing has gone viral. I don't need to necessarily describe it in great detail, but essentially Novak Djokovic has been angered throughout the match. Uh, he was actually losing, not to say he would have lost the match, but it was certainly uh, first set early on. He was having some struggles, a lot of self-inflicted wounds, if you will. He uh, was frustrated at himself, and at the end of one of the points, he casually turned around, flicked his wrist, and snapped a ball back towards the back wall, which, frankly, Rob, I've watched a lot of tennis over the last three weeks. That's pretty common. In fact, almost every tennis player does it. Uh, I will say this one was a little bit more aggressive, but it certainly wasn't intentional. I think everybody can agree that this was not an intentional act. And here's where my opinion is going to differ from a lot of people. Now, I get it. The rule is the rule. There are rules in place, Rob, that do state in this particular example, and this is why they were able to basically default him as what they, the term is. They don't actually use the word disqualify. They use the word default. And so um, in tennis, they have these rules set up that allow for the uh, umpires and the tournament officials to default someone should they make an egregious act as they deemed during this match. I myself, Rob, want to take up a little bit of a, you know, issue with the actual ball persons, the lines judges. So let's differentiate. You got the ball persons, myself out there running around, picking up the balls. That's absolutely necessary. It helps with the pace of play. It's probably something that you'll never see go away in the sport of tennis. Somebody has to pick up the tennis balls. Now, the lines, the folks that are the uh, umpires, the judges calling the lines, ins and outs, those folks, believe it or not, don't need to be out there. There is technology, fantastic technology, that's already being used by the U.S. Open itself. It's being used on all the courts. It's even being used on the main court. They just decide to throw out these umpires for show, as if, like, you know, it was paying homage to the way it used to be and the aesthetics. And maybe some of the older folks in tennis just really like the way it looks and sounds with having these people make these calls. But let's be real. They're messing up a lot of the calls. They're having to get challenged. The technology is being utilized to overturn these incorrect calls. 
And there's no reason why these folks need to be out there. In fact, they're not out there on any other court except that main Arthur Ashe court. And, and let me interject here, Rick. Let me interject. And they're not young. I I've seen them. They're all old. And, and, you know, nothing against elderly people. You know, they, they do have a purpose in this world. But, you know, uh, their eyesight may be a little shot. And their reflexes may be a little lackluster. Um, and their awareness may be a little low compared to somebody, um, you know, at, in the ball person spectrum, you know, age. Uh, right. Rob, you're, you are so spot on. That was point number two. So you have the technology. That's point number one. And point number two is all of these people are senior citizens. They're 65 and older. Some of them are probably getting close to 80 or maybe even pushing 90. Uh, they don't move quickly, as you said. And frankly, this one that got drilled, I had watched several, not one, not two, but several matches that she had been calling on. And oftentimes she would make incorrect calls, they would get challenged, and they'd get overturned. She was making terrible calls throughout the tournament. So I, I do feel bad for her. I do have sympathy for having taken a ball directly to the jugular. Uh, that can't be good for anybody. Uh, I do question, you know, what was she looking at? What was like her awareness? Um, I mean, I, I know I'm always glued to the players, the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just think that it was probably a little lapse in, in her. And it was a freak accident. Uh, she goes to the ground. I mean, she literally wailed as if she had been shot. That didn't help the situation. Uh, medical people came out, attended to her briefly. She got up on her own and walked off on her own. Granted, I'm sure she was startled and maybe a little bit out of breath and whatnot. But she got up and walked on her own off the court. Um, it was weird, bro. I was 10 feet from where this happened. I saw it in person. And then what made it even more weird was that now you had the uh, basically tournament directors coming out and talking with Novak Djokovic on this silent, empty stadium court. And everybody's like watching, looking on, trying to figure out what's, what are they talking about? What are they doing? And as it progressed, you could see Novak pleading basically like, come on, can't you do something else besides default me? Take, take a point away or penalize me some other way, but don't, don't send me back out of the country. Don't kick me out of this tournament. I'm here to compete. I've invested so much time, and I just don't think it was, you know, it was the right call based upon the rules, but it really – I have mixed emotions about it, and I, I hope they'll look into this. I, I agree. I don't think, you know, um, I don't know how many tennis fans we have out there but I myself had to do a little research on the default history. Um, I wanted to know how often this happened. And, uh, you know, it hasn't happened a lot in the history of tennis. Since 1962, I believe, uh, on, if my wiki facts are correct, there's only been like four defaults. Um, uh, ironically, um, Novak Djokovic's coach has defaulted in his, in he's one of the four. Um, and, uh, most recently in 2000, uh, I think 17, there was a default where something similar happened. Uh, a player 
hit the ball hard, but he hit it uh, towards a judge uh, by accident. He just like was hitting it. He was trying to hit it at the net. He was in frustration. Uh, the, the point was over, the match was over and he went to hit it and, and it rocked the judge in the eye and actually uh, affected his eye and uh, broke, broke some bone in his cheek. So that is in a very extreme example where you warrant a complete disqualification. But uh, in terms of uh, Novak Djokovic's, I think uh, should have just been, uh, you know, a couple of points deducted. The man did sacrifice time to come over halfway across the world to compete in the U.S. Open where a lot of big names were sitting out. Uh, but moving on, uh, I got to get to some highlights here. Let's get to some quick web gems. Run us through some web gems you've had recently. You had one today, I think, right? Oh, not only did I have one today, but there was a picture of my hand. My hand, Rob. Best uh-huh. hands in the league. Best hands in the league. It's true. It's true. And they've been on full display. The confidence is only growing as the weeks have gone on. Uh, and you got to put yourself out there. I'm not making every grab. Nobody's making every grab. It's like Michael Jordan. You don't make every shot you take, but you got to take the shots. And I've been going for balls, and uh, the results have been fantastic. Today, Rob, like I was about to say, my hand was pictured on the U.S. Open website. So you've got millions of tennis fans around the world going to the usopen.org website on a daily basis, checking stats, highlights, pictures, you name it. And there it was, Rick Grant's hand holding a tennis ball because of the displays that I've been putting on throughout the day. Now listen, here's how it went. You were like George Costanza hand modeling. There you go, brother. There you go. If I'm not Kramer, I'm George Costanza, baby. (laughs) Loving every minute of it, Jerry. But walk us through this web gem that you had today where you caught the attention of the uh, person that lost the point, but also the, uh, the, the head judge. Absolutely. It'd be my pleasure to relive this phenomenal grab. So here we are, doubles match. A lot of fun. Doubles is very exciting. There's more spiking going on in doubles matches than there is in singles. It's just because there's more people on the court. You've got somebody who's basically always up by the net. And uh, the opportunity just finds to, it presents itself a little bit more. So here was a spike scenario. I'm at the back wall. Girl just crushes the spike. And, and it's so fun because, like, you can see a spike developing even before it happens. You just can see the other player, the ball trajectory, and you could see that player wind up. You know it's coming. You see a vacant open area in front of you between you the net and that person on the other side about ready to spike the ball and you know there's a pretty good chance they're going to try to take advantage of that open space and just crush it and that's how it went down so she crushes it one hops it comes flying back not directly at me i'd say about four feet to my left it's got heat on it The ball is now rising. The trajectory is heading upward, and it's just coming in hot. So I make an effort to catapult myself. In one split second, I jump up with two hands because both hands were free. That's always important when making grabs. Sometimes you don't have the luxury of having both hands. But here I was, two hands, jumping up, 
as if like perhaps maybe I was going for a two-handed slam dunk only it was more of an alley-oop because I had to catch the ball and then dunk it so I went up and you know my height you know my leaping ability I combined those with my extension my two hands I caught the ball came back down to planet earth landed the player who had been spiked on spiked on not doing the spiking but was the recipient of the spike she turned her head opened her eyes as if she had seen something she had never seen before like an alien like an alien from mars just came back to planet earth with that tennis ball caressed in those two hands she was impressed i i felt the fans the few fans that were in attendance, coaches, staff, you name it, they, they, they were looking, they were liking. And uh, then I got back into position, put the ball behind my back, and I look up because I felt some heat coming from the uh, umpire's chair, you know, the one that looks like a lifeguard stand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the umpire, he's looking down at me, big smile, Gives me the nod, like, wow, that's pretty good, bro. And uh, then as they're about to resume play, I look back at the court as the ladies are getting ready, and the cameras are still staring at me, like the big lenses at the other side. I don't know what transpired there, but we might have to go into the vault. and uh, We'll try to find it. it. We'll try to find the stream. Dude, epic web gem. No, no, no. No, no, no. Sports Center, top 10 play, number one, number one for the Brothers Brandt. All right, smooth transition here uh, from Web Gym, top 10 play nominee to interaction with Serena Williams. Walk us through this interaction with Serena Williams. Paint the picture um, for, for, the, for the audience. This is hilarious. All right, so Serena Williams is playing the other night. Um, you know, I would say in front of a packed audience, but there's no fans here. But it's uh, it's a packed uh, – it's not packed. I'm just kidding. It's not packed. But it's a night match, Arthur Ashe Stadium. Even though there's no fans, there's still electricity in the air. The players just bring that electricity themselves. I mean, she is working so hard out there. She's battling. She was facing Sloane Stevens, who had won a U.S. Open herself. So uh, big match. Definitely was a lot of – excitement going on and she rallied serena came back to win uh it was very exciting to watch uh, so many people were there supporting her just a, a joyous uh occasion and your boy was watching the match enjoying the match heavily and then when it ended you know i needed to use the restroom so i went over to the uh you know walk in the concourse area trying to find a restroom and I asked the security guard, where's the nearest bathroom? And he gave me some long direction. And as, as I started to walk towards, like, you know, away to go find that bathroom, he goes, hey, bro, you know what? Just come here. Come here. Use this one real quick. I was like, okay. So he lets me into a suite, a luxury suite area that normally would have, like, a restaurant kind of set up. But they've converted it into a fitness center, a weight room, uh, yoga mats, just uh, a lot of, you know, all the players basically go in there and get worked out either before or after their matches. And 
I didn't know too much about it, but I walk into this gym setting. I go to the very back of the gym and uh, I use the men's bathroom. I'm in there for a little while, a couple minutes, you know, call it what you want. Uh, washing my hands, taking my time. I just saw a great match. I might've been on my phone for a little bit. So I end up leaving the bathroom, you know, flush the toilet, wash my hands, head on out. And it's probably been like 10 minutes, as I said. And now it went from being a gym where some people were stretching and working out to basically crickets. There was nothing going on except Serena Williams. All of a sudden, she apparently got done with her match. And it makes sense because most athletes will do some sort of post-match stretch or post-game exercise. It's very common. And lo and behold, she just happened to be doing it in the fitness center area that I just used the restroom in. So I walk out and she's on the ground being stretched out. Her coach is hovering over her and it was just them and me. And I didn't really stick around to BS with them at all. In fact, I got the look. I got the look. It was almost like, who the hell forgot to check the men's bathroom? Why is this guy, why is this guy why is this random guy in here? And I was just like literally, it was just three or four of us within a couple feet. I kind of just kept my head down, walked out like it wasn't one of the greatest players ever. And uh that was that. That was the interaction with with her. But we'll get into it in just a moment. I've been able to uh talk with and interact with her husband meet her daughter and uh, her agent who's a wonderful lady awesome awesome yeah and you're gonna you're gonna get uh the, one of the pictures autographed right yep yeah they were super nice i showed them the pic they said send it to us we'll make sure serena signs it and sends it back so uh the serena williams camp has been wonderful i'm rooting for her uh we got our final week rob this is it now one okay. more week to go We'll wrap it up with bold predictions, Rick. Bold predictions for the men and female U.S. Open winners, and we're going to get on out of here. All right, well, listen, here's the deal with the men's side of it. Now that Novak is out, it is anybody's game. Anybody's game. Um, you know, definitely a couple fan favorites that are still remaining. But frankly, Rob, I'm just excited to watch some good tennis on the men's side, uh, looking for some fun matches down the stretch. And we're going to have a first time. U.S. Open champion on the men's side of the division. The men that remain, none of them have won a U.S. Open before or any Grand Slam. So it'll be a big monumental step for whichever of these men end up winning it. So we'll keep an eye out for that. And then on the ladies' side, there's several still in play that I love. Of course, Serena Williams, Naomi Osaka. We touched on Azarenka. I mean, listen. Any of those three, uh, you, you, those are the ones I want to see. So uh, hopefully one of those three pull it out. I'd love to see uh, Naomi versus uh, Serena. That would be fantastic. But uh, let's see how these guys play out. I'm just going to continue to stay safe, uh, do my job as a ball person, and uh, keep following along, Rob. I know our listeners out there are. Loving it, loving it. All right, that'll wrap up episode 38. I'm Rob Brandt. And I'm Rick Brandt, and we are the Brothers Brandt. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.